0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Cryptocurrency Chat. I am your host, Brockton John, here with my co-host, Jake Jabberelli, ready to give you the crypto news of the day. All right, let's go ahead. Let me move this over to mainstream so you can see what we're doing here. Episode 450,
1: right, so, for those of you who didn't yeah, hear Jen say it. 450.
0: 450 episodes. Can you believe that, dude? It's been yeah. around for a while. It's awesome. Know? And and we're actually now, I, I expanded the uh, distribution Via podcast. Now we're actually um, on 15 different podcasting platforms. Amazing. Amazing. Yep. Number one is we're on everywhere. Spotify. We're everywhere.
1: Yes. We're everywhere.
0: Cool. <coughs> right, let's head on over to the first news written by Sander Lutz, provided by decrypt.co. Coin Center sues treasury over tornado cash ban. Bum, bum, bum. Crypto policy nonprofit Coin Center filed a federal lawsuit against the U.S. Treasury Department's Office of Foreign Assets Control on Wednesday, claiming the government agency unlawfully overreached its authority when it criminalized the interaction with the Ethereum coin mixing tool Tornado Cash in August. With Wednesday's lawsuit, Coin Center made good on a promise made in the days following the unilateral ban of the crypto privacy tool and numerous wallet addresses associated with it. The association would likely challenge the Tornado Cash ban in court. And here's a tweet from Jerry Brito. Right, that tweet says, today, Coin Center filed, uh, filed suit in federal district uh, court against OFAC, challenging its authority to sanctions Tornado Cash immutable smart contracts. That's the end of that tweet. OFAC justified the ban at the timing by arguing that Tornado Cash, which obfuscates the the trails of typically public Ethereum transactions by mixing many transactions together and thus rendering them untraceable, had been used to launder money by bad actors, including North Korean state-sponsored hacking organizations, the Lazarus Group. Many in crypto immediately fired back, saying that adding the tool to a list typically reserved for terrorist organizations and enemy nations, the U.S. government had declared war against crypto's oldest, holiest tenets: user privacy. Crypto, oh, excuse me, Coin Center's leadership view views today's lawsuit as critical to crypto users' rights to privacy, as well as to crypto's very survival. "Quote: Not only are we fighting for privacy rights, but if this president is allowed to stand, OFAC." could add entire protocols like Bitcoin or Ethereum to sanctions lists in the future, thus immediately banning them without any public process whatsoever," Point Center ex- Executive Director Jerry Bredo tweeted this morning. This can't go unchallenged. The lawsuit filed today in the United States District Court Northern District of Florida joins another similar federal suit filed last month against the U.S. Treasury by crypto exchange Coinbase. That suit argued Predominantly, that OFAC overstepped the laws by banning a piece of open-source software unaffiliated with any company, Tornado cash is a permissionless, decentralized tool that operates without the oversight of a parent organization. While Coin Coin Center's lawsuit touches on that argument, it also advances the specific claims that OFAC's regulatory mandate granted by the International Emergency Economic Powers Act only permits the agency to power the power to block Americans from, quote, transacting with a foreign person or major foreign entity. When we or our co plaintiffs use the tornado cash tools, we do so as normal privacy seeking Americans. Brittle and Quint Center Research Director Peter Van Balkenburg said in a statement today, quote, we do not engage in any transactions with any foreign person or entity or their property instead we are using immutable and widely available software on the ethereum blockchain to move our own valuables from one place in crypto uh, in cyberspace that is fully under our control to another place that we also control he said the fact that ofac designated ethereum transactions running through tornado cash as foreign clashes with the perspective recently put forward by another executive branch agency the securities and exchange commission sec Last month, the SEC claimed in a federal lawsuit that all Ethereum transactions globally should be considered under American jurisdiction because the plurality of Ethereum's decentralized node validators are based in the United States. While OFAC and the SEC are not bound to hold in the same views on all matters, the contrast between their views on Ethereum's status as a foreign or domestic entity could become a key flashpoint. In the u.s government's escalating mission to bring crypto under its purview coin center's suit seeks to fully overturn the tornado, tornado cash ban and restore americans right to use the tool quote privacy is normal Brito and van valkenburg said today and where we win and when we win our lawsuit using tornado cash will be the normal again
1: yay Yes. yeah
0: yeah. That's
1: the way, exactly. I back these guys 100%. Yeah, this this kind of stuff is something I was sort of going over it, not the same thing but a similar thing that I was going over with my tax accountant today from a other business and uh her comment that this this reminds me of especially when he says, you know, when I transact uh you know value from a thing that I control to another thing that I control, there's nothing there. You don't need to you know you don't need to step in. The government doesn't have any purview on that. Doesn't doesn't even need to be involved. And that's what I was trying to tell the tax accountant it was like, if I move money from one of my wallets to another wallet that is mine, that's none of the government's business. They don't need to know me about me moving my money. It's like if I tried to move my car from my house to my shop. The government doesn't need to know about that. They might, but they don't need to. You know, if I move five dollars from my wallet into a, you know, my desk at my office, why does the government need to know about that? They don't, and they probably don't know I'm doing it. So the same thing goes for the coin. What difference does it make? Why do they need to know I'm moving my coin from something I own to something else I own? Ooh, you know. Anyways, <clears throat> I think one of the examples I keep thinking of is that um, one of the ways that uh, criminals got away with not sending emails for... for. Uh, um basically the police or you know investigators to to get was they just wouldn't send any emails anymore what they'd do is they'd share the email um, username and password and then they would log in they'd write it they'd write a message out as an email and then they'd give the <clears throat> permissions information to the other person so that they could read the email and respond on the same email thread without ever without ever sending the email yeah, and I was like yeah right it, you don't even need to write the email send it anywhere. You just give the, give the information to the other person. And so I was like, yeah, that's, I completely agree with that, you know. Not to say that a, that a person needs to necessarily be a criminal to do this kind of thing, but still, it's just, I don't know. I get the reasons why they want to know what's going on, but that doesn't mean they need to be, have their hand up or button the entire time just to do it. So, continuing yep. on with a hack. <laughs> I'm talking about bad news here. Also, by decrypt by uh, on decrypt by Jason Nelson, Solana DeFi trading platform Mango Markets loses $100 million in hack. The second $100 million DeFi hack this week. <laughs> the second? Oh, geez, right. Mango Markets was drained of $100 million in funds due to an exploit. Sounds about right. Mango Markets tweeted Thursday, even that a hacker. Evening, rather, that a hacker was able to empty funds from, a Ma- from Mango via an Oracle price manipulation. Only last Thursday, $100 million was stolen from Binance Smart Change, another DeFi protocol. According to the blockchain auditing website OtterSec, I wonder what that's for, the attacker temporarily drove up the value of their collateral and then took out loans from Mango Treasury. Mango Markets is a Solana based platform for trading digital assets on the Solana blockchain for spot margin and trading perpetual futures. Mango Markets is governed by the Mango DAO. It's an economic design flaw, Sec founder Robert Chen told Decrypt via Telegram, adding that it's a risk that Mango Markets had already acknowledged. And here is his commentary. It appears that the attacker was able to manipulate the mango, actually I'm just reading part of the tweet here, their mango collateral. They temporarily spiked up their collateral value and then took out massive loans from the mango treasury based on that spike. At 6.19 p.m. Eastern, an attacker funded an account A with 5mm, that's a, a million I'm guessing, USDC collateral, tweeted Joshua Lim, former head of derivatives at Genesis Global Trading, As Lim explained, the attacker subsequently offered out 483 million units of mango perps, or perpetual contracts, on the mango markets order book. Then at 6.24 p.m. Eastern, the attacker funded another account with 5 million USDC collateral to buy those 483 million units of mango perps for .03 per unit. At six twenty-six p.m., the attacker started moving the mango spot market, driving the price up to ninety-one cents, and the value of the four hundred eighty-three million mango to four hundred twenty-three million dollars. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to read what Joshua Lim has to say here in his tweet uh, thing here. This is how I think mango uh, attacked played out. Please let me know if I got anything wrong. And if what we just read was what happened. The attacker then took out a $116 million loan, leaving the Mango's treasury with a negative balance of $116.7 million. Assets drained include USDC, MSOL, SOL, BTC, USDT, SRM, and Mango, wiping out all of Mango's liquidity. In response, Mango Market says it has disabled deposits and is taking steps to have third-party funds frozen. A Twitter user noted that the attacker was funded from $5.5 million from what? FTX. Prompting FTX CEO uh, Sam Bankman-Free to respond, the company is investigating. Manga Markets has offered the attacker the chance to collect a bug bounty in exchange for return of the stolen funds.
0: Sure, no, that, I don't think they're gonna return those funds anytime
1: soon. No. They're like, hey, uh, we found a bug, and we're taking it as a zero-day bug, bye. Too bad. Yeah.
0: That hurts. That hurts bad. Ouch! Be careful. Be careful what you invest into. You know, this this could have happened to anybody. You know, it's one of those things that, so many smart contracts going on out there. It just takes one little line of code. And keep in mind that, and I don't think people realize it you know, on the back end when these developers are creating code. There's literally millions of lines of code, that that either they're importing these these contracts, which the majority of them are right. Like the majority of these these DApps, are not 100% created from scratch. They're usually just ported into into a contract. It's like, oh, I like this, I like this, I like this, and I'm just going to do a slight modification here. And here we go. Now this is a new dap that we got going on. Unbeknownst, whatever they imported, it could be where the bl- the bug is hidden. You know?
1: Yeah. No, I think I think that's the thing that happened in this case, not so much a bug in their in their code, as it is just a factor of how things work. And this person, the mm-hmm. the very thing that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren were making a point about is that. Um, it took us 200 years to get to this point and the protections we currently have in place for the public and money. And Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general are living through the whole thing in a short span of 10 years. So they're running into all the same problems except now we have computers which can make our lives even worse and more difficult and things can go much faster like the reading of this article said that everything happened within five minutes. So in the past you had to go rob... A bank physically with guns and horses. A long time ago. And back then you'd probably get, you know, two grand. Now you can take a hundred million dollars. So it's
0: crazy, man. All right, let's head on over to the next news. This is quite interesting, at least according to the title. So we're gonna see what's going on here. This one's written by Andrew Asmokov, once again from decrypt.co. Bitcoin Lightning Network misses block after enormous multi-sig transaction. <gasps> What? Let's see what happened here. Lightning Network's experimental nature, a Layer 2 network built on top of Bitcoin that allows for faster, low-fee transactions is one of the reasons developers have warned users not to risk large amounts when sending and receiving funds. The warning now sounds even more reasonable after a Bitcoin developer inadvertently tested the network's limit by creating a a complex multi-signature transaction that saw the Lightning Network miss producing one block. Though the network continued to produce blocks and route payments, this missed block meant that the network was temporarily out of sync. Typically, Lightning Network's users open up channels using a simple two-of-two multi-sig setup where two signatures are required to spend the funds. What uh, Barak Kexili, the founder of BitMatrix, did was create a 998 of 999 multi-sig transaction on Bitcoin, meaning it required 998 990- private key signatures to authenticate the transaction, an enormously complex and unusual task in itself. Though the transaction which cost the developers $4.90 in fees was accepted by block producers and mined into a mainnet blo- Bitcoin block. It confused the methods used by LND to calculate what the most recent Bitcoin block was. As explained by Alaulua Asuntunku, CTO at Lightning Labs, due to this bug, LND wasn't able to parse a new block, but was able to continue to forward as normal. With any request to open new channels rejected, too, as LND rec- uh, recognized that its internal wallet wasn't synced to the chain. After many users took to GitHub to complain that they could not open new channels on the network due to the sync issue, the developers at Lightning Labs identified and released a hotfix, which is now available as LND version 0.15.2. While successfully resolved, the case has also demonstrated that the Lightning Network development is still a work in progress and many more things will still have to be addressed before the protocol can be considered stable enough. Oh, that was a short one. Yeah, yeah it was good to see that's that they were doing
1: testing on it. <clears> that this guy was, you know, it cost five bucks to do it, but now they know their limits and they need to work on it more.
0: Yeah, I, you know what? I think this is actually a good thing, even though it cost five dollars. Uh, I think every blockchain should actually test the limits of of, of their chain. For yeah, sure. Yeah, no, I mean that's I the whole that's point of
1: having it. those bug uh, races, right? Google's been doing this for years. They're like, hey, we know there are people who are really smart out there. We know there are people who are trying to steal from us. Please try, and we'll pay you a fee, and then we'll be able to pick, patch that hole.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is a, a good article. It's a, it's. a, I, I don't even want to say it's a hard lesson learned. It's, it's, it's a, a very educational lesson learned for only five bucks. I like it.
1: Yeah. So on to regulation, <laughs> Kate Irwin writes, G20 to review Crypto Regulation Framework this week. That's the G20 conference here. These 20 different uh, groups and or companies, or rather nations. The Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development or the OECD on Monday submitted a framework to increase international transparency in crypto to the G20. 20 participating member countries make up the G20, including... China, India, South Korea, Brazil, the US, United Kingdom, United and the European Union, which is not a country. <clears throat> Just to name a few. Back in April of 2021, G twenty tasked the OECD with developing a method for automating cryptocurrency taxing tax reporting between nations. G twenty finance ministers and central bank governors will review the one hundred-page crypto asset reporting framework, or CARF. <laughs> Uh, their acronyms, along with suggested amendments to the group's Common Reporting Standards, CRS, at uh, their next meeting, which will occur Wednesday and Thursday in Washington, D.C. The OECD first passed the CARF, (laughs) my bad, in August, a report that the group calls a transparency initiative for crypto. Among other things, it defines what crypto assets and NFTs are, offers a plan for automatic international crypto tax reporting, and includes provisions for cryptocurrency derivatives trading. According to a statement, the OECD said that cryptocurrencies are not currently covered by the CRS, which was designed to prevent international tax evasion. Because damn it, we need our money. The OECD argued that because crypto is not covered under the current standard, there is a likelihood of their use for tax evasion. Yes, this has definitely been happening. While undermining the process made in tax transparency through the adoption of the CRS. The OECD's proposed amendments to the CRS also include the addition and definition of the central bank digital currencies. While the framework will likely affect many countries, the U.S. may be an exception, like it always is. In a blog post, Post Coinbase stated it believes the CARF and CRS, (laughs) sorry, will be (coughs) applied to all nations except for the U.S. because the U.S. will create its own crypto tax regulations because it's better, I'm sorry, from the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. Remember, U.S. of A., World Police. Altogether, the proposed framework and amended standards may mean the beginning of the end of the wild, wild west of cryptocurrency and the varied patchwork of international regulations. World leaders are recognizing that crypto is a trillion-dollar industry. Yep, just barely. <clears throat> and that some illicit traders may abuse crypto's permissionless and sometimes synonymous nature to evade sanctions, taxes, or engage in other illicit activity. Sure, sure they will, because it's all traceable. That's great. <clears throat> these are these and subsequent moves by the OECD and G20 may make life a little harder for plain-hopping crypto moguls like Terra's Doquan. Hey, he's not leaving. He's, he's still there, right? Who's now in, in Interpol's red notice list? And Or Michael Saylor, who's now being sued by the U.S. Attorney General for alleged tax fraud. Mm. Yeah. <clears throat> I wish I had enough money to be sued.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, let's head on to the next news. This one's written by Matt DeSalvo. Wow, he's shortening his name. It was Matthew DeSalvo, wasn't it? I don't remember. Matt. Matt DeSalvo. Alright, this one's uh, once again from Decrypt.co. Treasury fines crypto exchange Bittrex $53 million for sanctions violations. The U.S. government has hit digital asset exchange Bittrex with fines of $53 million, the biggest fine on a crypto business by the Treasury Department to date. Uh, Treasury's Office of Foreign Assets Control, OFAC, and Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, FinCEN, said Tuesday that the U.S. exchange would have to pay two fines to the government's entities of over $24 million and $29 million, respectively, for apparent violations of multiple U.S. sanction programs. Bittrex, which is based in Bellevue, Washington, unnecessarily exposed the U.S. financial systems to threat actors, according to the authorities. This is because the exchange allegedly allowed people from the Crimea Crimea region of Ukraine, Cuba, Iran, Sudan, and Syria to make crypto transactions of over $263 million between March 2014 and December 2017, the statement said. It also failed to have a proper anti-money laundering program, it added, and therefore had significant exposure to illicit finances. When virtual currency firms fail to implement effective sanctions compliance controls, including screening customers located in sanctioned jurisdictions, they can become a vehicle for illicit actors that threatens U.S. national security," OFAC Director Andrea uh, Gaki said in Tuesday's statement. Vincent Acting Director Himam, Himamalui Das added that Bittrex AML Anti-Money Laundering Program and SAR... Uh, Suspicious activity reports reporting failures exposed the U.S. financial systems to threat actors for years. The Treasury Department is trying to crack down on crypto crimes. Just last month, the body banned U.S. citizens from using Tornado Cash, a popular coin-mixing app that makes Ethereum transactions anonymous.
1: So I have a comment on this. I've been a long-time Bittrex user, longer than before. They apparently were accused of this action and the thing I was always wondering is if a person from Syria or Iran or Cuba or North Korea for that matter stored let's say $5 worth of Bitcoin on Bittrex and was just a regular person just wanting to put some coin on Bittrex and they only ever put $5 on there And let's say that there's a lot of people who just put $5 worth on there. That was it. But they're all from those countries. Would it still be illegal? And the reason I say this is that if Google had never made any money off of Android, would Oracle, that is, would Oracle have actually sued them? No. No, they wouldn't. Because they wouldn't have cared. And the same thing goes for this. It's not about who it was. It was about how much it was. Mm -hmm. Because if it was, like I said, it was $5 worth. If Kim Jong-un had an account on BitTrux and he just put $5, not that he would, but let's say he did, the US government wouldn't care. They'd probably think it was weird, but they would be like, we're going to fine you $53 million because you let Kim Jong-un put $5 of Bitcoin on your... No, no. Because it wouldn't be worth their time. It's not about the, the act, it's about the amount. Yeah. That's well, that's what that's, what
0: that's what that's what happened with Tornado Cash. I mean tornado, tornado Cash it's it's not a new thing. It's been around for years.
1: Yep. It, it <coughs>
0: rising in popularity and there's just been more more and more liquidity just going into it. Yep. You know, and more and more users and it reached hundreds of millions of dollars of transactions and next thing you know, all of a sudden now they gotta shut it down. There's yeah. so much money being flooded into it. You know? Yeah, you're right, you're absolutely right.
1: That's the thing that bothers me so much about it. It's it's never about the act. It's about the money. And if it wasn't, if it was, like I said, if it was a whole bunch of, if MBS and and, and Putin and and Kim Jong Un all just had five dollars in tracks, no one would care.
0: Do you, Do you think Silk Road would still be around if it was just low liquidity?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. In fact, I, I'm betting there is something like Silk Road that's currently around right now that is very low liquidity and no one cares. Mm. <laughs> <clears throat> so, right. yeah, it's all about the low process It's like if you make money off of terrorism, then you're a terrorist i I mean a lot of money, not a little money because if you make five bucks off a terrorist, you're not a terrorist <laughs> it's only if you're sending millions of dollars around, then you're a terrorist so and I'm sure there's somebody out there who would say no no, no no, no it's you have to it has to be a you know more than that i mean you, you wouldn't be doing it otherwise like no i you know what <clears throat> I'm not saying I want terrorism in this world. I don't. I don't want terrorism for anyone. But it's about the money. So, anyways, the last article. About more government taxing people. Portugal plans to impose a 28% tax on crypto gains. And I was wondering, why would they do this? Let's find out. Kate Warren writes. The Portuguese government has proposed a new cryptocurrency tax policy that would take effect as part of the 2023 national budget, according to a government-issued report published on Monday. Within the nearly 450-page macroeconomic strategy and, fi- and fiscal policy report, a small section states that the Portuguese government – it's interesting they just found that part. Maybe they searched for crypto <clears> – <throat> will impose a 28% capital gains tax on – that's really not that high, but still significant – on cryptocurrency gains made within one year. So it's a short-term capital gains tax. However, gains realized after one year of holding the crypto assets will be exempt from such a tax. Well, that's good. You just gotta have it a long-term gains. You don't have to pay anything. The Portuguese government also intends to impose a 4% tax on any free crypto transfers and will also apply stamp uh, duties where applicable. The proposal intends to treat crypto as equal to other industries and to establish a clear framework for crypto taxation. 28% is the standard capital gains tax rate in the country. So it's no normal than what they were already doing. While the the draft budget numbers have not yet been approved by the Portuguese parliament, the proposal aligns with the nation's Minister of Finance, Fernando Medina, declared back in May the crypto would soon be subject to the country's capital gains tax laws, like it currently isn't apparently. Over the past decade, Portugal has become an appealing destination for international residents who flocked to the country due to its more flexible visa and immigration options and overall affordability. Portugal saw a massive 40% increase in immigration between 2011 and 2021, according to data from the European Commission. As of 2021, 5.4% of its total population, or of roughly 10 million, are non-citizens. What does that mean? They just weren't born in Portugal? Cryptocurrency is at least one of the reasons for Portugal's shifting demographics. The country is home to what some call Bitcoin Beach in Mia Praia, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, an, official, an unofficial gathering place for crypto fanatics who relocated to avoid cryptocurrency taxes in Italy and France. The country also granted its first crypto banking license in April. While Portuguese Parliament rejected a Bitcoin tax bill earlier this year, the administration does not appear to have given up on taxing crypto. If Monday's draft budget is approved, it remains to be seen how the new politics will affect Portugal's crypto economy and if it will face an exodus like in India, as companies and investors flee to lower tax nations. Uh, It doesn't seem as bad as as I initially thought it was. It just sounds like they're just doing business as usual. But it also sounds mm-hmm. like yeah. they're saying, "Well, you know, people I mean, have you, come if here." You,
0: if you do in a cross comparison to to the states, I mean, what are we paying in tax? You know, and not just—I'm not talking about just in regards to crypto, but just in regards to our like, income, right? Like,
1: um, all like, European 50, nations, all European nations have a higher tax rate than the U.S. currently does, which is funny because prior to Ronald Reagan in 1980. The U.S. had one of the highest tax uh, tax uh, structures for payment on so If you made more than, which I realize is still a lot of money, if you made more than three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars in a year, you had to pay ninety-four percent tax on the money above three hundred seventy-five thousand hey. dollars, which is almost all of it. Basically, you got to keep six percent of whatever you made over three seventy-five.
0: <coughs> wow.
1: Which is how it sounds ridiculous today, but it was Reagan who got rid of all those taxes and completely changed the tax format for people, and that's honestly what? where we've gotten the, the the huge number of billionaires in the U.S. today. Mm, 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 so okay. it used to be you okay. couldn't okay. There, there literally was a cap on how much money you could make in the U.S. Mm, Not anymore. Mm. <clears throat> okay,
0: all right. Is just one last thing. I just I just want to plug in here on this on this podcast episode 450 there was an article that went out in regards to paypal you know paypal does have crypto you can buy crypto on paypal you can't take it out it is centralized it does stay on there Um, but there was an article that went out that um, basically paypal is saying that you don't have the right to free speech if you say anything that goes against their beliefs or their vision of what should be spoken on then you will be fined Mm $2,500, basically in a nutshell. That's all bad. And this kind of, in in my opinion, is steering towards the whole CBDC vision. You know, this is just step one. That is bad. Like, literally, if everybody at CBDC, the future uh, future payments uh, uh, of, of, of economics, right, Dude, you can't, you don't have the freedom of the speech. You know, it, it's getting bad. It, it's getting bad. I just wanted to put that on the record for episode yep. 450. Because this is just the beginning of a lot to be revealed in the near future. In, in our lifetime, it's not looking good. I think that's and, one other comment I wanted the to escape make. Goat, escape scapegoat for me is with crypto. You know, yeah. keep your keys, keep your coins.
1: Yeah. Well, I was going to say that there's the, the one way, in regard to the uh, Bittrex article that you read earlier. <clears throat> um, how do you uh, find a s- decentralized exchange? Right? <clears throat> this is a, Betrex is a centralized exchange and it resides in, I believe, Washington uh, state, that is. So it's physically got a location and so it physically, the US, 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 US federal government and the yeah. state of Washington have jurisdiction over it. <clears throat> but if you have a decentralized exchange, who pays the taxes? Who pays the fines? Who deals with the uh, illegal actors? Well, there aren't any because there's no one place that that. I mean, exactly. it's decentralized, right? Exactly. So, isn't like the we point to go to decentralized? Well, we are. We're making this argument. Right. That's our whole, our whole podcast concept here. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <clears throat> yeah like you, we were talking off air before the podcast. You know, the whole idea of having. Um, you know, in regards to Celsius, a lot of people got uh, um, doxed on Celsius. You know, all their stuff is, is public information. Right. Um, you know, if there was no KYC and we all just verified through a dex with uh, signing our our uh, signatures via you know our keys um, with, with, with the, uh, our tokens that we're investing into into the contract into the smart contract or you know into the dex. It, that would probably be the best way to go. You know, it, it right. was extremely more difficult to to trace that stuff. You know, but uh, Celsius trying to stay legal, they, they KYC, but uh, obviously, things didn't go the way they envisioned. Or, and I just, it,
1: yeah, let's leave it at that. I personally like the way that is currently being done with, um, <clears throat> pardon me, certain coins. In that you can't, you lock them up like with Cosmos Network. You can't take them out for 20 days or whatever, 21 days. Um, mm-hmm. That means it's guaranteed to not move. You can request it be taken out, but you can't take it out. So it doesn't move quickly. I like that.
0: Yeah, a lot of people do that to prevent, um, you know, a run, run, quote a quote, run on the banks, right? Yep. Yep. You know, run run on crypto.
1: Yep. You can't you can't take it out fast. You can, you can ask it to be taken out fast but you can't take it out fast now if everybody decides they want to take it out it's still going to take three weeks so <clears throat> I just I just really appreciate that because it, it, it slows things down you know, it's part of the network it's not part of some centralized entity's idea it's just literally built into the blockchain of that network and it's just how it's set if you don't like it we can change it we can vote on changing it but it's, th- it's this way right now and to me I think that's the best way DeFi could ever go <clears throat> it prevents these, you know, fly-by-night actors. You can put it in, and you can immediately try. It. You can immediately request to have it taken out. I've seen people demonstrate on on, um, on YouTube where they put money into Cosmos and immediately try to take it out, but it's not coming out for twenty-one days. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, that's all I got to say. Let's just uh, point out that we have this really cool website called CoinTree. It's CoinTree slash C3 Media. Yeah. And you can check out all of our links that we have take donations on at the top. And you can also check out all of our social media on the bottom. And you can see our C3 Media's Urge, Discord, YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey, Twitch, Spotify, Anchor, Patreon, Tipping Me, etc., etc., etc. A whole bunch of different ways you can check us out. As well as our C3 Media t-shirts. We have three different designs as of right now. Uh, the most popular is the Diamond Hands, Stack Sats, and Hoddle. But we also have a Diamond Hands Never Sell. And our original logo T-shirt, Stacks, that's not So check out the swag. Check out the coin tree. We are grateful that you've been here for the 450th episode of Yay. C3 Media Podcast. And uh, just going to plug in the, uh, what's the, what's the event you got going on at the end of the month? The Raven?
0: Yeah, the uh, Raven, uh, Raven Coin Global Awards. That's coming up. Uh, anybody that's part of the Raven Coin community know that it's coming up. It's uh, pretty much our annual uh, awards for pretty much the people of Ravencoin in the community of, uh, you know, pretty much giving thanks to what they're doing in the ecosystem. there's a lot of people doing good in the ecosystem. It's one of those things that's not, uh, it doesn't have a marketing budget. It doesn't have a a really uh, a campaign to really uh, uh, make it work. It's just the the community comes together and they're just investing their own time, their energy, their skills, just to make sure that this thing uh, flies to the moon, more or less. Yep. Yep. So I'm putting this whole Ravencoin uh, Global Awards together. There's gonna be a, a few hundred people out there in BraveLand in the Ravencoin Metaverse. If you're interested, you guys can check out um, uh, BraveLand or just go to uh, any pretty much any any Ravencoin uh, uh, network and you can get connected there.
1: Alrighty, as we say at the end of every episode, stack sats and hodl. Adios. Adios.